Hello, and welcome to Engage with Eagle Forum, a podcast to encourage the modern day woman and her vital role in shaping society. I'm one of your hosts, Tabitha Walter, the political director of Eagle Forum, and I'm joined today by a special co-host, Eagle Forum's president, Colleen Holcomb. Hi, everyone. It's so great to be back on Engage. Today, Tabitha and I have the privilege of speaking to you about one of the greatest threats facing our nation and our daughters and young women of all ages, sexual orientation and gender identity. I know you've heard us talk about this topic quite a lot this season, but unfortunately, the SOGI issues, as they're referred to, has many different facets affecting our society at so many different levels. Right. It just seems like it's permeating everything that we do, unfortunately. We not only want a strong knowledge of this topic, but we also want to equip you with the knowledge necessary to not only make informed decisions, but to get involved fighting against SOGI's implementation in your community. So today we are happy to be interviewing Christiana Holcomb, which who's different than Colleen Holcomb. Christiana is a legal counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom, and in this role, she has worked to defend the constitutionally protective freedom of churches, religious schools, and Christian ministries to exercise their faith without government interference. She has also advocated for the right of pastors and churches to be free from IRS censorship via the unconstitutional Johnson Amendment and has defended the bodily privacy rights of students, which we're talking about today. Christiana served as co-counsel in the first pre-enforcement challenges filed against state officials who threatened to censor churches and deny them their freedom to operate consistently with their beliefs about human sexuality. Fort Des Moines Church of Christ versus Jackson and Horizon Christian Fellowship versus Williamson. In both cases, state officials quickly reversed course. Christiana earned her Juris Doctor in 2010 from Oak Brook College of Law and Government Policy, where she graduated first in her class and served as a teaching assistant in criminal law. Also in 2010, Holcomb completed the Alliance Defending Freedom Leadership Development Program to become a Blackstone Fellow. She is admitted to the State Bar of California, the District of Columbia, the U.S. Supreme Court, and numerous federal district and appellate courts. So let's roll the interview. Thank you so much for joining us, Christiana. My pleasure, thanks for having me. Well, Christiana, I know we share a last name. I know I get asked all the time if we're related and I say, no, I'm not that smart. Uh, in your bio, Tabitha noted that you've defended the bodily rights, bodily privacy rights of students. Can you tell us what exactly does that mean and why do bodily privacy rights of students need to be protected? Sure. Well, um, during prior administrations, we saw a push to enact gender identity policies and they were pushing them into school districts and having an impact on young women's right to have their privacy protected in their locker rooms, their shower and their changing areas. And so one of my clients, Alexis Lightcap, walked into her school bathroom at her high school and she encountered a biological male there. And she was, she was startled, she was frightened. She went to school administrators and asked for them to, to fix the situation. And they said, no, actually we've had a policy change in light of the, the Dear Colleague letter from the Obama administration. And this is the way things are going to be now. Um, if a biological male identifies as female, he 
has a right to use the girls' restrooms, locker rooms, and shower and changing facilities. And that's just not right. No young woman should be forced to um, take care of her personal bodily needs with a, a biological male in that same space. Her privacy deserves to be protected. And so because her school administrators refused to protect her as they ought, um, Alliance Defending Freedom had the privilege of representing Alexis and trying to challenge those policies. That's great. You know, we we talk about, you know, opening bathrooms and how terrible that is. But then when it comes to a minor, it just seems way more intense when it's your daughter, when it's your niece, you know, it, it seems more real. So um, it's really great that you guys are taking on that case. You know, just recently, the National Collegiate Athletic Association, better known as the NCAA, made a statement about being inclusive about transgender athletes. And they said that they firmly and unequivocally support the opportunity for transgender student athletes to compete in college sports. They also stated that they would only hold championships in states, quote, free of discrimination. So Christiana, you've advocated for women's sports at the collegiate level. Can you fill us in on why women's sports have become such a target under the sexual orientation label and explain some of the other cases that you've worked on as well. Yes. Oh my goodness. So much we could talk about here. So taking a step back, we're seeing a push across the country, um, not just in state athletic associations, but even with the Biden administration, pushing policies, these gender identity policies that allow biological males to simply identify as female and to come in and to dominate girls sports. That completely eviscerates the whole purpose and promise of Title IX for our girls, right? Nearly 50 years ago, we passed Title IX to stop sex discrimination against girls and ensure that they have equal athletic opportunities with boys. And in order to do that, because we all recognize there are real physical differences between males and females, that's the reason we have women's sports as a separate category. And that's why women's sports needs to be protected. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing these policies pushed across the country and again, even being advocated by the Biden administration, um, literally hours after inaugurating the first female vice president, um, the administration issued an executive order directing federal agencies to redefine Title IX to include gender identity and sexual orientation and the like. So this is having a really devastating impact on young women. And most poignantly, uh, one of the first situations to really reached the national consciousness was in the state of Connecticut, where again, they passed a gender identity policy to biological males in the course of just three years, took 15 women's state championship titles, more than 85 opportunities for girls to advance to the next level of competition. They didn't get to go to the state championships. They didn't get to go to the regional championship meets because a biological male was there in their place. So we're watching girls get knocked off the podium, losing the opportunities and the recognition that they deserve. And these are, these are important. It's, sports matter, but also consider that these girls' future opportunities could be on the line as it relates to scholarship opportunities, making it to the collegiate level where um, you know, these scholarships are necessary to help them pursue their dreams and their future careers. So Alliance Defending Freedom has had the privilege of representing uh, four really brave young female athletes in the state of Connecticut, suing the State Athletic Association, saying, look, this violates these girls' rights. It's 
civil liberties under Title IX. And we want to just restore that fairness and that level playing field to women's sports. Christiana, we're so thankful for the great work that you're doing. And it's not just liberal administrations. Governor Kristi Noem, who is a great role model for conservative women and for all women, um, in the governor of South Dakota, someone we love and really appreciate, but she's made some headlines recently for vetoing a bill that would have ensured women's only sports remain women's only sports. Right. Uh, can you provide us with a bit of the lay of the land surrounding what happened in that case? Yeah, that was a deeply disappointing situation where basically activists and corporate interest got the ear of Governor Noam, it appears, and she caved to that. And she really sacrificed um, fairness for girls sports because she was, she was fearful and caved to the demands of these woke corporations. That's not okay. Look, the, the mandate of the NCAA is fairness and a level playing field. And so it's really critical that we have lawmakers who have the courage to stand up and say, we need to protect fairness for all of our female athletes, not just those in, in middle school and high school, that matters, but collegiate women matter as well. And their opportunity to showcase their talents, to not be forced to compete against someone who has all the inherent physiological advantages that come with being born male. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of things that lawmakers can do, um, there is a lot we can do at both the state and federal levels. Um, actually, there have already been states that have begun to pass bills on this. So what are some of those actions that our lawmakers can take? Yes. So it's been extremely encouraging. More than two dozen states this legislative cycle alone have introduced Save Women's Sports Bills laws that are simply designed to ensure that if you have a sports team designated for women or girls, only women or girls compete on that team. So our girls get to be the champion and showcase their talents. Uh, it's been really encouraging. Three states have already passed those bills into law and they've been signed into law by their governors, uh, Mississippi, Arkansas, Tennessee. I know there are two other states that have these Save Women's Sports bills on the governor's desk right now. And so we're eagerly um, watching that and, and waiting to, to see the governor sign those bills into law. And yeah, a number of these other states are kind of just working through the legislative process. And again, it's just been really encouraging to see them step up to the plate and say, we've seen what's happened to young women across the country and losing out on opportunities. We don't want that to happen to young women in our state. So I think it's really important for, for lawmakers to take these actions, but also for them to hear from their constituents and to be told and, and have it reemphasized that Saving women's sports is a really important thing to the people of our state. Um, it's, and frankly, it's politically popular as well. In fact, there was some polling done last fall that indicates well over 70 to 80% of the American people agree that it's not fair for a biological male to come in and to compete in the girls category. This is not what the American people want. And so it's, anyway, it's been really encouraging to see lawmakers step up to the plate and try to restore that fair play for female athletes. It is very encouraging. I know we're seeing a lot of groups that are typically on the other side of what we're trying to do who agree that we need to protect sports for women and we need to protect opportunities for women. Well, we always like to end on a positive note and what a positive note it is to see you, a lovely, really brilliant woman. And again, I emphasize we are not related, so I can say that shamelessly. <laughs> uh, we just thank you, Christiana, for all that you're doing. Um, 
uh, can you please let us know where can our listeners go? Is there somewhere they can go on a website or what action? You mentioned some of the things that our listeners can do, but how can they get engaged on this issue? Where do they go and what do they need to do? Yes. Well, they're welcome to visit adflegal.org to, to learn more about the lawsuits that ADF is involved in to defend fairness in women's sports. But I specifically encourage them to visit adflegal.org forward slash fair play. And on that webpage, there's a petition where you can sign your support urging lawmakers across the country, both at the state and the national, the federal level, to protect fair play for female athletes. And that's one way to make your voice heard. That's great. I love visiting the ADF website because you guys have profiles on each person that you represent and it's laid out beautifully. All of the facts are there. So I encourage everyone to check out your website. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a pleasure, super informative. And um, I really, we're, we're, we'll be following your cases and rallying behind you guys so that you'll win. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you. So that was an, a wonderful interview and very informative. Um, I'm glad we got that time with her. What I found really interesting is the polling that she mentioned near the end where 70 to 80% of people um, aren't in favor of the idea of not allowing biological men to play in women's or girls sports, which makes sense. But with that polling so high, it just blows my mind that far left activists who are really cheerleading this on wouldn't take note that people aren't in favor of this. Right. It's really amazing. I think the woke culture has gone so far that they and they've just been able to do everything they want to do. They act as though what they think and what they, is gospel and that everybody agrees and it's clearly not true. I was just talking to my stepson yesterday. He's in an AP uh, US history class and he has some young girls who profess to be liberal, but he said it was almost unanimous. There was no, there was uh, the opposition to biological males competing with girls. And as we mentioned, um, a lot of people who were on the opposite side of many issues, um, particularly radical feminists are, are with us on this issue. Mm -hmm. And this is something that Phyllis warned about for decades uh, as the ERA was debated. This, as you obliterate the distinction between men and women, women always lose. And that's something that I think a lot of people who just thought, um, that the Equal Rights Amendment was necessary to secure white rights for women couldn't see how that would play out. But that's an area where Phyllis was right once again. Right. I, I just find it ironic that um, there's this loud voice that keeps saying there's no difference between men and women. Um, however, a lot of the recent medical research about the COVID vaccines have separated the reactions that have happened between men and women because women react differently to these vaccines than men do. And so that, go, that just goes to show that um, women and men are inherently biologically different and our makeup is different. And so that plays out in a lot of different things, but especially in athletics. And so I think that's, that's why there's such a push um, from our side to keep things separate so that women can have opportunity to, um, to play a sport or to win in their division. Um, we want them to achieve 
just as much as a man does, but they don't have to compete against each other just to do that. Right, that's absolutely right. I think that's a really good point that you bring up about the research on the COVID vaccination. I remember when I was in college and I went to Wellesley College, which is very, very, it's an all women's school, very feminist. That was a big issue that I remember hearing about that there was a lot of outrage and it was it was appropriate outrage that uh, even research on breast cancer was being done on men. And of course that was not very helpful because women's bodies are different. Women's biology is different from men. And so it's always going to harm both sexes to not recognize those biological realities. And that's right, I, you know, certainly in a medical context, it's, it's consequential, but in an area we're where we're talking about opportunities, haven't we been fighting for opportunities for women for all these years? And now to see it, not only to see these opportunities being erased and being unfairly usurped, um, but to have young women be made to be to feel ashamed, like somehow they're being unkind or somehow they're being bigoted by saying I'm a woman and I'd like to to not have to compete with men where I, who who have a biological advantage. Right. So, Colleen, you're an attorney as well, and I just want to pick your legal brain for a, a minute. I'm uh, no Christiana Holcomb. <laughs> make that clear, but well. Do you see this fight going to the Supreme Court? And if so, how do you think that would shake out? Well, I do. Um, I, it, although it's very interesting now, given the, uh, the recent decision, uh, Justice Gorsuch, unfortunately, we were very disappointed with um, his uh, decision to, to include sexual identity in the federal definition of sex when it, it you know, clearly was not what Congress intended at the, at the time that Title IX was enacted. And, um, and it's certainly not the accepted definition. So it's hard to prognosticate. You know, I, I would think it, it seems very logical and it seems like, um, you know, we have very sound legal footing to be able to, um, to protect opportunities for women and to protect biological sex. And there's certainly a rational basis to do so, although words like rational just don't seem to have any place in our society anymore. So I can't, I can't say how it would go, but I do. I do think it is going to go to the Supreme Court and I'm hopeful that they will do the right thing and protect men and women. Mm -hmm. And I think this underscores the importance too of um, keeping the Supreme Court makeup what it is. Um, there's been a lot of talks of expanding the court, expanding the numbers of justices. And um, it's solely to get, you know, these things through on a liberal agenda. And it's, it's a way to politicize the Supreme Court instead of looking at the Constitution and the law as it is. And so, um, you know, we always talk about how things how different policies and different actions weave into one another. And um, I think this episode just goes to show that there are a lot of different um, facets, a lot of different outcomes, a lot of different things that could affect just the women's in, in sports issue. 
Yeah, that's right. And real and whatever issue is important to any American, certainly if um, if the issue of protecting opportunities for women in sports, if that's important to you, um, I would certainly encourage our listeners. You have to be involved in the efforts to stop the stop Congress from packing the Supreme Court as they're wanting to do now. And of course, that impacts absolutely everything. D.C. state statehood for Washington D.C., which we could do another episode on that, is completely unconstitutional also being pushed for a purely radical left liberal agenda. Um, that's an issue that um, is going to be impacted by the, this potential court packing, what, whether you're concerned about the life issue, opportunities for women, immigration, whatever issue is most important to you, uh, taxpayer protection, whatever it is, you have to be engaged in the fight. Really, for everything that we're talking about on this program, but certainly on the issue of core packing, you have to tell your senators and representatives absolutely do not, and that they will pay a price if they decide to go in that direction. Mm -hmm. We'll have more information on that soon because Biden just released the names of people who are coming onto his commission to look into packing the Supreme Court. Remember yeah. during the campaign, that was something he would not give an answer on that issue because he knows it's politically unpopular. So now we're seeing, as you mentioned with the, the SOGI issue and the issue of allowing biological men to compete with women, that is something that's, it's a 70% unpopular issue. And yet the radical li liberals are, demanding it. So we're seeing that um, we're not living in a society where the will of the people is being enacted. It's being overrun. We just, um, uh, I did an engaged podcast with Susie Voiles, our Georgia State Eagle Forum president, who was very actively involved in the Georgia uh, election reform legislation. And she was talking about the fact that um, voter ID, that's a 70% issue that people want. And yet, uh, again, that's something that's um, where the will of the people is just being completely overrun. So we need to remind our, polit our political leaders who's really in charge and stay engaged. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for being my co-host today. Well, <laughs> this was you. fun. It's a joy to be with you. And you'll be back on the show several I, times. I mean, I can't wait. And thank you, Tabitha, Kristen, and you are doing a fantastic job. And we're thrilled to see all the awesome guests you're getting. So thank you for all the hard work you're doing. Well, thank you. If you are listening to our podcast, be sure to subscribe, share with your friends, and leave us a review. You can find us on all of the major social media outlets and at engagewitheagleforum.com. From your house to the state house to the White House, this is Engage with Eagle Forum.